I agree you can travel through those media, i.e. on your phone, you can travel through lots of photographs. I personally think there's a very big difference between, and this is probably what you're trying to say here as well, is there's a big difference between a photograph of somebody on a beach versus actually being at the location on the beach and meeting them for real as opposed to a snapshot where who knows what they did in order to get ready for that snapshot. Hello, this is Dr. Rowe, and you're listening to the Growth Tribes podcast with Dr. Rowe and Harms. This is the podcast where two completely different generations tackle the most challenging topics that people are facing today. Above all else, the main reason that we chose to develop and record these podcasts is because we both have a passion for helping people go through life transformation, for improving their lives, for taking their lives to a completely different level. And it's our hope, our genuine sincere hope, that by the end of each of these episodes, you'll have gained at least one insight that you can take away and apply directly into your own life. Practical tools, voices that come in from both generations, the younger generation with tips and tools and the older generation with a sense of wisdom and experience so that you can help unlock your true potential to give the opportunity to make changes both on a personal, professional, financial and relationship level and to give you a chance to impact both your lives and the lives of other people around you. So we welcome you. Welcome to the Growth Tribes podcast. Hi, it's Harms here, and we are answering the question, am I ready to get married? Hello, listeners of the Growth Tribes podcast. You have Dr. Rowe here as well. I'm going to introduce him in a moment, but I just want to frame and talk about this particular episode. So it might be a slightly longer than normal introduction. So this episode has come about where listeners have thrown in the question off of the back of our parenting podcast episode. So if you listen to that, It's one of the most downloads episodes to date. And the question we answered there is, am I ready to be a parent? So I guess you're going to have to imagine in your mind going back before parenting into marriage or into committing to a lifelong partner. So interestingly enough, Ro, who's on here, is not actually married officially in the official sense. So where we're going to take this podcast in this beautiful, multifaceted world that we live in now is... If we are using the word marriage, you just swap it in for whatever that is to you. Marriage is just a term that we're going to use as part of this podcast, but you could swap it in for lifelong relationship, lifelong commitment to a partner. That's where we're going to be focusing on this episode. So I guess the question we're going to be answering is, am I ready to be in a lifelong relationship? Is that Mm. fair? Would you say, well, that's the fairest question and the way to tackle this episode because it's (laughs) complex it's such a complex topic it is hi everybody great to be back on again with harms and what a cracking subject this one is certainly for me it's very pertinent and and particularly as the number of people I've, i've met and have worked with over the years i think you've framed this perfectly right because the world is changing. I think people are getting married at a later stage in their lives. So instead of maybe people in their 20s, now we're seeing people in their 30s, even 40s. And I think probably over the next 10, 15 years, we might see people on Zimmer frames getting married. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Or in- the beautiful thing about this is I think you've done it the right way. Let's let's approach it from long term life relationships. And yes, I think, as you said, we can switch the word marriage in there. You may hear me use the word marriage at certain times because I think we shouldn't shy away from the word. But at the same time, for some people listening to this, 
it's a word they want to kind of get their head around. So I think you've got the right frame on it. And I guess what you're saying is, the key question here is, am I ready to get married or am I ready to stay in or be in or remain in a long-term relationship? Because it could be somebody listening to this right now who's met partner, boy or girl, you know, male, female, whatever you want to have you want to frame it. And they might have been together for six, eight, 12 months. And there's it's got to that point. And it, I, I don't know if you felt the same way, but there's a point in a relationship where it's fresh, exciting and new. And there's a part of you thinking, could this be somebody I could be with for, for a longer period or for lifelong? But you haven't really had that conversation with yourself or with them at the beginning and then we're now six months into the relationship and there's a pattern started to form and there's a rhythm and there's a flow it's like you're in a great stroll around the, around the woods together you're, you're getting into a flow together and habits are forming friendships are forming with other groups now they're seeing you as a couple we're six 12 months in and and maybe that question's starting to come up in some cases it might have come up very early but now when you get to about 12 to 24 months i'd be interested to see if you agree with this or disagree this is millennial but it's now gone beyond just boyfriend girlfriend and yeah we you know we've been together for a couple of months now we're talking about a couple of years now definitely at this point that conversation is either coming up between the couple or certainly in the minds of one of them or possibly both of them but just not had that conversation possibly due to past experiences or just fear and that's another conversation we could possibly bring into this podcast today certainly four or five years into relationship there's no doubt that question must have come up and the conversation must have happened and it might be that you're listening to this and you are past the six months into the 12 months maybe into 18 24 months and it's creeping in or you're a four five year person it's like fuck you know what i'm having this conversation and it's either not going anywhere or we're still at a roadblock i'm trying to paint a picture i don't know if that helps but that's how i see it with all the people i've coached over the years with audiences all over the world and this isn't just tied into one country this is like globally I think that's fair, a really fair observation, Ro, because what I found in my generation is actually that decision-making process is now pushed back later. So I'm not sure what it was like in your generation. I feel like <laughs> the decision and the topic was discussed earlier in a relationship, yes. but now where there's so many options, things, inputs, all of this stuff happening around us, that the decision and this conversation happens later and sometimes when a lot of time is invested and some of the things we're going to talk about and Rose is going to discuss with you later in this episode should hopefully allow you to make that decision and have that conversation a lot earlier to determine is this a relationship for life. Yeah, I agree. And I, and I think maybe this is a good point to pick up. You just talked about the differences. And, and as we get into this, we might as well tackle it now. I'd actually make a, no, a note as you were speaking, but I think we'll tackle it now. And that is the word choices. And it didn't come up in what you were saying. And tell me if you, if you think I'm right or wrong. Back in my day, I'm not saying there weren't as many choices, but back in my day, there was this tradition and we're talking about you know i was born in 66 so by the time i was looking at the point where i could be getting married we're talking about late 70s that sort of period early 80s you know you're getting into that stage where you think about life you think about marriages and and, and still there's that traditionalism of finding a partner settling down and getting married having a good job you've got your education having kids etc and that that was the traditional model we didn't have tinder <laughs> we didn't have <laughs> facebook we didn't have instagram we didn't have a phone that gave me an app that gave me a chance to look at a hundred ladies a hundred women in the space of an hour if i just flick through flick through flick i mean it's shocking to me now how much i don't know if i should use the word choice but how much access you have to seeing other people and somebody listening to this might say well it's a bit grotesque it's you know i don't think it's natural but we're human beings and in my day it was you went out to a pub 
you went out to a nightclub, you possibly joined a club, maybe, I mean, I was big into outdoor pursuits, so I would go to climbing clubs. And of course, I, I did climbing, mountaineering, walking. And if you look at the ratio, maybe out of 30 people in a club, you might have had six or seven girls and the rest were all blokes. Oh yeah, we're off to do climbing, we're off to do mountaineering or whatever. So of mm. course, if you're in that environment and you're looking for people of similar sort of values or same sort of interest to you, now you've got like four guys all around one woman uh, and she's there and she's got the pick of the bunch and having a bit of fun with it. And I'm joking, but not really because it, it was a different environment. We didn't have, or you went and dating agencies didn't really even exist in those days. So unless you were a traveler, which I was, unless you were somebody that could get out and meet people, it was a very different experience. Whereas now as a millennial, I mean, you can maybe talk to me about what's out there from what you can see, but I just think choices mean and the, and here's a, an interesting study that was done years ago but if you read books like blink by malcolm gladwell one of the things that he talks about is how we can make decisions quickly how people can process things really quickly and one of the studies he talks about is where they had on it was a market store and they had 24 jams on one store and they had six jams on another stall and people had the choice of going by and looking at the six jams and looking at the 24 jams and interestingly enough there were more jams sold on the six stall than there were on the 24 because with the 24 there was too many choices people couldn't make their mind up whereas with six it's less choice okay well i'll just go for that one same thing with a restaurant i don't know if you've ever been to a restaurant harms and you kind of open up the menu and gone bloody hell and you sat there with your mate and it's taken so much longer to choose than when you open up a really simple menu and i'll go right i'll have there's three vegetarian options i'll have that one as a opposed to 23 vegetarian options and it's the same thing i think for you as a millennial now there's so much more choice so it takes longer and totally you guys are looking at marriage in your 30s as opposed to back in my day it might have been sort of mid-20s mid to late 20s absolutely well and you've hit many of the choices which almost as well as choice it creates an appearance of okay well if this relationship doesn't work out there's so many more people because there's that appearance of choice because you mentioned you know you was an active traveler so you would travel rock climbing you were you was an out and about person when it came to your passions and projects that you was working on and just, now, just to add to that just yeah. to add to that so my lovely fiance now that we've got two children with i met her whilst traveling and here's an interesting thing i was traveling and i was in jamaica and i met her in jamaica she was traveling and she'd been working as charity work in a in a south american country costa rica working in like an orphanage with for kids so she was tra she had a passion for travel and she came back through jamaica i was out traveling in jamaica we met so our values were totally aligned at that instant so wow. in my case that's how we met and that was uh, 18 years ago phenomenal so where you was the traveler and you was out and about and you was confined to a localized version of where you were so you met in jamaica amazing but now what my generation has is we can travel through this amazing thing called social media the online world all these chat apps are out there also things like meetups are all over the place like if you look at meetups in london for dating and there's vegan dating there's dating for ways to combine different cultures and values and things that you're interested in it's phenomenal the choice is everywhere so i i love that study because it actually explains what we're talking about quite easily why are my generation struggling and even asking the question of am i ready to get into a long-term relationship am i ready for marriage it's because there's an incredible amount of choice and it's not necessarily that the amount of people yes the population has grown but not necessarily the amount of people are available in choice but the appearance of choice 
is through the roof because of what we can see on a daily basis through all of our media inputs. And, and I mean, I could be contentious here and say, well, I agree you can travel through those media, i.e. on your phone, you can travel through lots of photographs. I personally think there's a very big difference between, and I, you, this is probably what you're trying to say here as well, is there's a big difference between a photograph of somebody on a beach versus actually being at the location on the beach and meeting them for real as opposed to a snapshot where who knows what they did in order to get ready for that snapshot. We, we actually, funnily enough, I mean, here's me talking about it, we met on a beach. We actually physically met on a beach. So it's warts and all, it's real. You know, you're seeing that person with their hair a bit ruffled or maybe their skin doesn't look just as perfectly ready. And because, I mean, these apps now, you can soften the filter, can't you? You can, you can, yeah, you can you, Dr. Rowan Speedos. Yeah, you can't, <laughs> right. you can't hide that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can put me in a pair of Speedos and make me look a little bit more hair, etc. So I think you're right. You can travel. But I, part of me feels with that travel, it's a filtered. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I see social media as this incredibly powerful tool, but filtered so much. We're, we're getting filtered information. Whereas in my day, the only filtering was across a smoky room. And because, you know, if I met somebody in a pub, for example, back in those days, the pub was full of smoke. <laughs> and, you know, you sat there and you got a real sense of who that person was versus, you know, we didn't send photographs. We didn't have a quick instant visual image. Show me a picture of how you look. It didn't happen like that. You actually had to physically meet them. And then that made it interesting because... Whereas now you can flick through. I mean, I haven't used them, but I believe on these de online dating apps and stuff like that, you just flick through, flick through, flick through, flick through. You didn't have that choice. I had to go in and the flick through was, thanks, but I'm gone. You know, the mm. flick through was, okay, now I've got to spend the next hour and a half with this person. We're obviously haven't connected <laughs> by a couple of drinks. Whole evening's gone. Boom, you leave. You never go back to that person. They don't feel they connected with you. You've flicked through, but it's a physical time process. It's real. It's face to face. And I think there are benefits to that. But there's also nowadays because everybody's busy. It's like, well, actually, yeah, but hey, Ro, that evening that you spent there flicking through that one person and they weren't right for you and you weren't right for them. I can do that. And I could do 50 people like that in the same time. You just did that for an old traditional way. It's a very interesting difference. So now let's fast forward and assume that somebody has met somebody, they physically met or they met online. Amazing. And they are asking themselves or one of the partners is asking themselves the question, am I ready to get married? Now, what are the factors that you've seen, Ro, and we can both, you know, jump in with our ideas here yeah, that yeah. put this feeling or maybe people should be aware of when it comes to the question of getting married or really staying committed, saying to your partner that that's it, this is our commitment. Okay, so I think before I start to answer that question, I think it's important that we and so many people have listened to us both now and they've heard your voice, they've heard mine, they've heard our stories. But we haven't really addressed this one specifically. So just talk briefly about your situation. You've explained about my situation. So as we go into this, so they can get a bit of perspective and about a bounce off the two of us, talk to us about your current marital or unmarital situation so everybody understands. Okay, cool. So yeah, as I've explained, Ro's not officially married, but Ro, how long have you been with your... Stina and I have been together now since... Well, it's 18 years. So, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, in fact, I think by English law, probably common law states that, you know, if you're living together for a certain time, you can, you can be common law husband and wife, but there is no marriage certificate. And we'll cover it. We'll talk about that in a bit, actually. That's an interesting one. Okay, fantastic. So, mine is, you know, I'm in a relationship for life. You know, I've made a commitment for life, but I've gone down the road of marriage. And I guess 
you know, if you're, if you're asking how that came about, well, when I asked Gina the topic, you know, my, my, my beautiful wife, Gina, I said, me and Ro are doing a topic on marriage. So, G, why did you want to get married? And she looked at me. Oh, and you said, asked her that question. <laughs> I asked her that question. And she just looked at me and said, well, it wasn't anything to do with you. It was purely I just wanted a big fat Indian wedding. So, so I was like, thank you so much for your contribution for this episode. So that's, that was, that was her response. So I'm actually touching on a point here, which is actually that whole feeling and institute and you know there's some religious elements here cultural elements here and the idea of having a wedding was almost like a an official commitment to each other that we're going to spend the rest of our rest of our lives together and it was a, a symbol to our families as well that this is my partner for life and the wedding and the marriage itself represented that binding of two people i suppose if that's a way to describe it so that's my situation okay well let, let's come back i want to ask you a bit more questions on that let me address your question and then i'll bring you into it but then when we finish i'll probably come back and say based on what i've described what was your experience so i'm not going to give you any clues and i'll let you kind of sort of react to it as we go through it so i think for most people the choice to get married or to stay remember we're talking about relationship or to stay in or be in or you know swap the sentence out as harmind has already said so am i ready to stay in or get into a long-term relationship there's really only two elements to this there's either the logical element or the emotional element that's it now Yes, we can argue, but surely, Ro, if I'm going to be getting married or staying in a long-term relationship, it's all about emotion. It's all about love. It's all about the connection. Uh, you'd hope so, but actually there's not. There's two things. It's emotion and logic. And this is why there's a conflict. I think if you didn't have the two hitting or butting heads together, it would be so much simpler to say, actually, no is the right time right now. Or, yeah, it is because you don't have one hitting the other one. So this is where our conflict is. So if I start to drill down through this, maybe you can talk into that space as well, because it'd be interesting to see from your perspective. Maybe what you could do is it come at this harms as a millennial. What do you try and be the voice of millennials at the moment? That'd be really useful. Wow, what so, a responsibility. Yes, I yeah. can. Yeah. <laughs> millennials out there, you can put this one on him. <laughs> so so I think social pressure is a big one. I mean, there's a you know, from a logical perspective, people kind of go, well, you know what, it's logical now. Now, you're 32, you're 33, you're 34, you're 28, 29, you've been working for a while, you're financially stable now. You know, this is just the thing to do. So you guys have been together, you've shown a commitment. This could be a mum and dad conversation to daughter or son. It could be a friend who's older. It just could just be the social pressure of the fact that all your other friends have got married right now. And there's that little bit of shit, we're the only ones left, honey. I mean, that, that conversation can and does happen. Or And here's the big one, Harms. And I've had this because I know this. I mean, we've been together for what, 18, 19 years. You go to weddings. I've been to a lot of weddings. And when you're at weddings, people go, oh, so, um, so are you uh, you guys going to get married then? How long have you guys been together? Yeah, when are you going? And I get it a lot, actually. I bet you do, yeah. She's a professional speaker and I'm out in front of audience is like oh so you're not married yet then and it's like they don't go oh so you're not married in fact there's no easy, easy way to ask that question <laughs> I mean, if you're listening to this right now and i said to you oh so you're you're not married yet then you can't tell me that's not judgmental in some that's a judgmental tone right there <laughs> or um okay so you're not married i mean you can't you can't ask the question without somehow having a slump in it even if you just said to, oh are you married are you married yet are you, ma are you married yet so are, um are you and your partner married i mean it's it's just there's something, there's some kind of, everyone logically assumes that if you're with somebody for a period, you have to get married. Now, I'm going to pause there because there's other things I want to add to this. But what's your just take on that at the moment as uh, listening to this as somebody who is married and but also coming from a younger generation to me? Of course. And that is the same thing my generation listen to constantly. So if, if oh, we, yeah. if, 
Yeah, if you if you are in a relationship, I are think you talking as a young Asian man, though. Because... Okay, so yeah, so I have to be factoring in the fact that I am an Asian and I come from that culture. So the natural next step is just like Rose said, if you've got a job, if you're stable, now the next natural step is because of that, you now display responsibility. It's time to get married. So there is oh, that social pressure. We're going to have people listening from France, Germany, Italy, Asian people, African people, West Indian people, people from Malaysia, Thailand, all over the world. So I know culturally there'll be lots of different mixes and some may not appreciate it, but it, can you give us your kind of one to two minute description of the typical traditional? And it's not about being stereotypical but we know there is a tradition within certain cultures to that experience as a young asian person coming up what does the is it even right to use the old school but what's the original philosophy for young people within the asian culture because i know from my experience and i'm only half asian but i grew up in a very strong asian area and also when i went, did my university degree a lot of my friends were asian i could see without using the word but i have to use it a lot of pressure on them just describe the traditional experience of a young person coming up a fantastic question, Rose. So that so the traditional experience would be, and if we rewind slightly, marriage was the thing. And the marriage was the thing the moment you met someone. So it wasn't a case of go and date for a couple of years, three, four, five, six years, as many years as you want. It's okay, you now you've met this person. The next step is you're getting married. There's no two, three years of getting to know each other, etc. Right. So that that was the that was the cultural pressure back then. The norm for that was culture it on, was, was it on your? I'm really drilling down now, and I know. I, I mean, I appreciate it's private, but it's important as well because this is a one thing about with the growth tribes. We try and be as transparent as we can and sensitive to each other, but also people listening. Was it on your mind on a consistent and regular basis? I dated many, many years ago a young lady, and this at a university, and she came from an Islamic background, and we didn't date for very long, but she she was just very very mindful of me not being from an islamic background and also the fact that she knew that there was quite a bit of pressure going to be building up very quickly and we didn't stay together long it was a good friendship but i just always sensed that it was on her mind a lot talking about a long time ago i agree and, and i think if we rewind the times if i put myself in a time about probably 15 20 years ago okay even just at that stage then realistically yes it probably would have been on my mind a lot but me talking personally I, I was really lucky my mum and dad just didn't put much pressure on us so it wasn't a case well, my siblings etc but it wasn't a case of it had to be on your mind constantly so where this has shifted so if I if I bring us now into present time where my culture has shifted in the whole is we can now dates we can now get to know each other we can now spend two three years getting to know a partner before we d determine if we're going to spend the rest of our life with this person are so you describing changed. an ecosystem of the london asian culture because you're describing it from your experience being in london but is that the case really across the whole of the globe the whole of the uk so the answer is no so you right. so you so you're you're also aware of of <laughs> scenarios that occur and 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 that's because you've you've grown up in different parts yes. of the country as well. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. so that is absolutely the London ecosystem. That's right. the ecosystem where there's a lot of diverse culture. There's right. Right. there's lots of factors playing into different scenarios. Like the London culture is work first. So the ah, Asian culture in London is work first, get a great career. Now let's think about marriage. And right. you don't necessarily have to rush it. We understand because you've got these career pressures, which is partly why people are deciding to commit later now. Mm. But if we look at other parts, culturally, if you want to spend the rest of your life with somebody and you started dating them, this, the simple thing is you're getting married. So it's an official 
contract as such because that's the the thing to do as part of that culture now different cultures may be different i'm not that culturally aware, aware to understand what all the cultures are like that's me voicing it as yeah and observing the asian culture without any judgment that is an observation yeah. so let me steer you back into the millennial question broadening it you said you opened by saying you know it's still on our minds and we still experience that kind of pressure of people asking the question so now broadening it to all sorts of backgrounds is it true then th that for you most people in that millennial age group are are generally feeling a sense of sort of that logical pressure from around them. Uh, so it's yes, because it's the natural next step. So when you're having when you're having conversations, it's going to be around the moment you start dating somebody or, you know, if you've got a friend who's dating somebody, the question comes up. Well, is that is that person the one? Is that person the one you're going to marry? So it becomes a natural yeah. And yeah. that question itself, like you mentioned, when some people throw you some question, that question itself is the pressure. That question itself is the is the question which says, makes you think, oh, is this the person I should be getting married to? Do I have to be thinking about marriage now? Mm. So that is happening. But we've got, as millennials, I don't know what it is or where it's come from, we have this thing where we are quite resistant to cultural norms as well. So if our parents tell us to get married ASAP, True. we're going to say no. We're, we're going to get married when we want to get married. Yeah, right. We have that sort of inbuilt in us, this sort of, this almost fight back to say, actually, no, it's my life. I'll get married whenever I want to. And it almost pushes marriage. It almost says, I'm not even going to think about this because this is what you want me to do. Now, that's a challenge us millennials have to be aware of. Like, are we dismissing marriage and committing to somebody out of that rebellious nature that we have? Yeah. Or is it a genuine feeling that actually, you know what, I'm genuinely not ready for marriage. So I think that's something we have to be very careful of. Yeah. And I think, I mean, we talked about this in other podcasts, but there's a point where a person matures through different stages. So although millennials will be in a certain age group, there'll be a point where millennials hit an age group similar to mine, for example. And with that comes a different sense of awareness of the world, wisdom and, and a different set of values and views. So interesting to hear you say that. I mean, just adding to all of this, of course, we're still in the logical part, not the emotional side, is then you've got financial reasons. Sometimes decisions are made around, should I stay with this person? I might come to that a little bit later, but we'll get married to this person for financial reasons. I mean, I joked about it, I think, in just a live I did about half an hour ago, an hour ago before I got here to the office, is tax benefits. There are tax benefits in the United Kingdom for people getting married. If, for example, you're a property investor, owning properties jointly, moving one asset from one person to the other, a pillow transaction, I think it's called. So, you know, jokes aside, there are people I've come across that have got married for logical financial reasons. Yes, they were together. And yes, they seemed to be in love with each other. But they just said, well, it just seemed like kind of a logical step forward at this stage in our relationship. And you know, that's a, we can argue that one and say, really, is that the right way to do it? It's not for me to judge. But if the result of that decision leads to them breaking up a year or two down the line, oh, well, we should never have got married. And I actually know somebody just recently had this conversation. We should never have got married. When you hear that conversation, you're thinking, freaking hell. You know, that wasn't a marriage based on love, passion, connection, values being aligned. That was a, you were trying to save some tax. So, <laughs> but it is logical in some people's minds. So but the think, challenge is, like you said, Ro, if later down the line, there isn't that connection of values, and we'll go into those elements in a moment. Yeah, I think we should. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's, it's just going to cost you more money. <laughs> <laughs> those tax savings are instantly lost so if that's the way you make if you're basing your decision on that maybe maybe try add a few more layers which is when we go into the emotional part as well yeah the other thing of course is and you've experienced this because you got married is 
a marriage is a legal contract. It is it's a certificate. It forms part of a system. Uh, I've heard you say this before as well. You know, it's like some people make a decision to do something and you're buying into a structure. Now, it's not that's not a negative thing, but we all have to remember that the minute we do that, we are the minute that certificate is signed and you are now legally bound into that marriage, it is actually a contract. And that contract states that if X, Y and Z happens and he gets this, she gets that, or if it's a same sex couple, whatever, you are actually now part of a very old system of contract and law. And that isn't the same as an emotional marriage. And I've got to be mindful here because when you and I sort of going into the subject of marriage, if somebody wants to stay in a lifelong relationship, and that's the same question that we're addressing here as well, this doesn't apply here. So we're talking now about a legal contract as opposed to just an emotional contract between the two of you to stay together. Does that make sense? I just want to try and distinguish the two. That makes sense. Well, but surely if I'm listening to this and you may have got challenged on this in the past, which is surely it's more than just a contract. Surely it's a, somebody could argue it's a personal commitment. So that institution of marriage shows that there's a personal commitment here to the other person. So it's surely it's just more than just a contract. Yeah, I think I, I agree with you. I What I'm, I guess, trying to point out here is that we're looking from a logical perspective. Once yeah. you go into that, there for some people, it's I want that commitment. And I see the commitment as the piece of paper. I, you know, mm. I, I mean, years ago, I actually heard a lady say this and it was within our peer group. I didn't know her that well, but it was an argument that kicked off one time. And she just said, I just want to see that piece of paper. I want to see your commitment in writing. I just want to see that you're committed instead of just keep saying you're going to at some point in the future. So in her mind, it was, and I part of me feels when I hear that, that is purely down to the fact there's not enough communication. And maybe in the back of her mind, she's doubting whether he really is committed. So by signing document, doing it with the registrar and, you know, and getting friends to watch it and witness it. And now I'm legally, now I know that you're married to me. Where in fact, really, it's just the finishing part of what is an amazing relationship. It's it's difficult to put words around it because the it minute you look difficult. at it as a piece of paper, it's a contract. That's <laughs> actually what it is. Yes. In this structure, we call, you know, it's, it, we're certainly within this country, but in other countries as well. So unless you go to Vegas where you can go in and get married and then get divorced the next day. <laughs> so you're right. I, I mean, ultimately, it is a personal commitment. You know, I could argue if you were my fiance I, and we were sort of in, the, in being a relationship, you say, well, Ro, I just want to see that commitment from you. So it's more about a emotional commitment. But then we're saying we want the piece of paper to prove that. That's, that's where it becomes a grey line argument. I don't know if I'm making sense, but that's... It just makes sense, yeah. That's what I found when I've coached people, actually, when I've had this conversation over a coaching session. This this has actually come up. It's like, yeah, but I just want to see the commitment. And I've said, okay, so define commitment. And then he said, well, you know, I just I just want to know that she's, she's mine for life. And I said, okay, but what do you mean by mind for life? Well, I just want to have, I just, I just wanted to get married. Okay. So how would marriage be different? How would you wake up tomorrow and do things differently tomorrow, knowing that there's a piece of paper there now? Well, we wouldn't, but I just know that now she's committed. And I, I had literally a circular and she said, that, so the, um, I don't want to give names away. This is going back about five, six years now, but the two of them sat there and you could see her face. And she was like looking at me as if to say, see what I mean? She's like, she's like, what? but I love you, honey. I know you do. And we've been together for like three or four years. Yeah, I know we have, but, uh, but I just want to know that you're totally committed to me. 
Well, I am totally committed to you. So, but prove it. Well, I prove it every day. You know, we're, we're, we're together. We travel. We make plans. We've got a joint bank account. We bought a house together. We're talking about having kids. I, yeah, but I just want to see that as a commitment. I just want the certificate. So for some, I know I'm sounding like I'm having a bit of a rant and I'm actually not, but it does come down to a belief that a piece of paper with a sin- signature on it suddenly changes the world. We'll become different people. It means the commitment levels are different. Actually, one could argue people might then stay there if things are wrong for fear because now there's a financial constraint because now we're legally committed. That means if I pull out of this relationship, fuck, it's going to cost me money. So, and again, not always the case, but am I sounding like I'm a bit cynical or am I just trying to be? <laughs> I, I think it gives another <laughs> side to the story because right. actually, if, if the listeners are listening to this at home, a good conversation to have with your partner, a logical conversation is, how important is marriage to you? So if you can have this conversation really early and also what does marriage mean to you? What does that act of marriage? If that's a conversation piece, what does it actually mean to you? Because if it, if it both means to you that actually we feel like this is an official commitment, there's no backing out, however you want to describe it, then it's, it's cool. But if somebody's saying, actually, no, marriage is not that important to me. You know, I, I'm yours forever. It, it's irrelevant if I've got a piece of paper and somebody's saying, no, but I need that piece of paper then that can be resolved a lot earlier. Yeah, and the two different values coming into place there, one being love and commitment and variety, the other one being love with a massive need for security. That's it. And by the way, the security is we get to sign a document. So it's... We and, can expand know, on that later. Yeah, and and it's a counter, you know, that, that can be counter-argued and it's just to come, and that's why, because the beauty of a human, human beings is we've all got a different perspective. So... There might be somebody listening to this saying, that's exactly what I've been trying to tell my husband or my wife or my future husband or my future wife. It's like, you know, when we got married, it was like I felt I was forced into this because. So I I guess what I'm trying to say is that there's no right or wrong to this, but there is a way of looking at it differently if you're caught in a cycle of the same argument and you're finding you're hitting heads. So this is the logical side conflicting with what is the other part I wanted to mention, which which is the emotional side. Now, let's tackle that. So the emotional side is to do with you so and you've already come to this to some extent where you said like you know what does it feel like to get married so i mean i think i said this just briefly in the facebook live i just did a few minutes ago which is age doesn't really come into it and i was saying that because you might be watching this or listening to this and you're like 10 15 years older than your partner which is the case for me or it might be that you're in your 20s or in your 30s or in your 40s or 50s like i am i don't believe it's about age i really don't i think the emotional element overrules all of that i've got a friend of mine who's what is he now i think he's somewhere around about 60 and his partner is 30 so there's a 30 year gap they've been together for probably just over 10 years and they're genuinely happy totally as a couple totally committed i think they've got one possibly two babies lovely couple age gap massive if you look at it it's almost like a person's life if you listen to and you're a millennial you're 30 years age but they're really happy together. So, I mean, there's several things to consider. Number one, if you've been together for somebody for a long time, is there an emotional sense of commitment in this? Oh, well, we've been together for a long time. Maybe we should get married. I mean, have you ever heard that conversation? Do you think that you're old enough to have heard that conversation yet, Harms? Or is that one that I might have heard more because I'm that much older? I don't know if millennials actually have that conversation. Maybe all, you know, all millennials stay in relationships that long. So that, that's the other <laughs> thing. Variable here. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's talk about that. I mean, do you think that that's the case? That's a good point, actually. Do you think that that because there's more choice, they're jumping in and out of relationships, less commitment? I think that's one factor. And of course, there are relationships that last longer. And you know, 
high school sweethearts, all of that. I've seen all of that in social circles. That doesn't really change in culture. There's probably tilt to balance. So maybe there's more quicker relationships at the moment within our generations. Yeah. But there's there's still those relationships where people have been together. And the challenges as, as almost a human condition is the more time we have spent together, the more time we have invested, the more emotional investment. Like you said at the, near the start of this podcast, you've met their friends You've met their family. You've met. You're now in their social circles. You're now in all their photographs. So, on an emotional level, there's so much commitment to all of these different facets of the relationship. So that feeling alone can, regardless of if the relationship is healthy or you feel like this is the best relationship, there's so much commitment in all different areas that the feeling is okay. Well, maybe the next step is we should get married. Yeah, so so that's great. So this is the where the butt of heads, you know, the conflict, mm. the the t- the two tribes come against each other. If you like, the tribe of logic, the tribe of emotion, come to wrestle because you know you get people saying to you, "Well, shouldn't you get married now? You've been together for such a long time." And now emotionally, you're like, well, "It feels like I want to be with this person. She feels right, like the, the, the right person to be with. He feels like the right person to be with." And so there's this emotional sense of, okay, yeah. Maybe I should. It's like you then move into that logical state. Oh, we've been together such a long time now. We've been together for four, five, six, seven, eight years. I guess we should get married. Let's just solidify it. And we go back to this whole thing about whatever that means. You know, let's make the commitment real now. I've heard people say that. Let's just do it. Let's tie the knot. Again, even that's an interesting statement if you think about it. (laughs) So another one is, does the decision feel right to me? I mean, that's a question I say to a lot of people is, yeah, there's a couple just recently, a property event I was teaching, and they said, we've been thinking about getting married for a while. You know, what do you think? I mean, I don't know this couple from Adam. <laughs> you know, I've met them over three days, but they obviously felt they trust me. And they came up and they said, what do you think? And I said, well, I don't know you. You seem like a lovely couple. Does it feel right to you both to get married right now? I think they were like 23, 24 years of age. And I, whenever I ask a question, and there's a great thing to do by the way if you know a friend a couple of people that you've been together for a while or a couple that you think you know that are thinking of getting married and maybe there's a conflict going on you hear a conversation happening great thing to do is get them together and have them face to face opposite you now i do this naturally because i I coach people almost instinctively now when i'm talking to them and i will ask a question completely cold completely fresh and i'll only ask the question once and very very simply and immediately I'm going straight into mind reading. Now, I know we talked about mind reading in another podcast mm. we had, which was communicating with impact. And we do that on the communicating with impact core. So you might not have done a lot of mind reading, but you can watch people's reactions initially to a question. Look for micro expressions, look for their breathing patterns, maybe just wait for a response time to a question. So what happened with this couple? I said, so you're asking me, do I what do I think about you guys getting married? So I repeat the question back to them, first of all, to get them into a relaxed state. And they went, yeah, that also means that they're receptive and they're waiting for an answer. That's a really subtle little coaching tip there, by the way. And they went, all oh, right, yes. And I said, okay, let me ask you a question. I said, yeah, what's the question? I said, does the decision feel right for you both now? And that was it. I just went silent. And as I did that, there was two different reactions. Hers was this softness, this kind of sigh of relief it was like yes and she just her head was almost nodding and she was immediately turning to him to say yes he on the other hand paused before he even responded and the pause wasn't like a pause like this 
It was a micro pause, but it was a micro pause long enough between hers and his. Does this make any sense? Yes, I can picture the scene. It's like a a delay. And if you're in somebody's space and you're doing a slowdown process, which is where when you're mind reading, you kind of go down into a slowdown process. I'm just looking for that. And you could just tell that in his mind now wasn't right. But she was so ready. And they both ended up saying yes. And his tonality was, you know, it's this whole, we talked about it, I think, in a previous podcast. It's like you're opening a vault and he was one click off the right tonality. And then they both said yes. And then I turned to her and I said, do you believe him? And I, to be honest with you, I didn't ask for permission to coach them. But I'd been with them for two, just over two days. And so they kind of trusted me in that space. But it's fascinating. that One question, Harminda, made such a difference. And I said, do you believe him? And she went, this is her response. Yeah, I, yeah, I do believe him. And I was like, <laughs> okay, so can I be frank with you? And they said, yeah. I said, I think you are more ready than you. And they both kind of laughed. And I said, let's not laugh. I think you are more ready than you. And she said, actually, I do kind of feel that, honey. And then that conversation started, at which point I said, anyway, look, it's your conversation to have, not mine. But if you're not right ready yet, and I turned to him, I said, at least discuss it because you're about to build a property business together. That's what you're talking to me about. Now, if you're not ready and your lovely partner is here and you go and build a one or two million pound property business, which we can talk about in another podcast, because I think that's a, both you and I have done that. So we should make that a subject of a future podcast. I said, what happens now if after a million pounds worth of property, two million pounds worth of property later, all of a sudden you've changed your mind and she thinks you're going to get married. You're building this for the kids, for the family. And actually, you're not thinking that you've got to be honest right now. Because how you build that business will be based on whether you want to stay together or not. And it might be that we'll have to set you up two separate businesses. And I know I'm going off on a tangent, but not really, because the future is also about thinking about where you want to be in the future. It's not just about the marriage and the one day and the amazing wedding, for example, that you had, because I came to your wedding. But it's much more than that. Most people think it's about a wedding day. A marriage is not a wedding day. A wedding right. day is just the start of the whole experience. Sorry, I'm going to stop now, but it's just making sense. That makes sense. And I'll tell you what, for those listening at home, it is absolutely magical having Ro on this podcast because... Ro, you're the only person I know where complete strangers will ask you the deepest questions. And (laughs) I've seen it with my own eyes. It's a phenomenal thing to see. And I think genuinely it's from a place of trust. They know your skill set. They understand your experience very quickly. And I think trust is the underlying word there. But it's an amazing thing. And I imagine, you know, that question they would never have asked anybody else. They wouldn't have asked their friends. They wouldn't have asked their family. But, hey, Dr. Rowe, we've just known you for two days. Uh, do you think we're ready to get married? So it's, it's just like, I, I love and it. It's a magic thing. And, and then I don't give them an answer. I ask a question. And the question, if a question is insightful enough, the, the truth comes out in our body language, our breathing, our emotions. And, and they gave the answer. So... Whereas in, you know, in your, well, I'll come to you in a minute, but in your case, without a doubt, you're ready. And, and it's just, it's, it's alignment. It's two people being aligned. I mean, the other thing, I guess, emotionally, maybe you can talk back into the space again, is cultural pressure, societal pressure, parents. There is an emotional connection to that. And some people might say, well, surely that's logical. Well, not really, because there might be the logic in the parents. So, for example, if you've got, say, a 65-year-old Asian couple who logically in their mind think, my my son must get married now. It's very, very very important that they get married. Very important. Dr. (laughs) you must go talk to my son. Don't you understand? You are the same age as us nearly. It's very logical. They must get married. Now, your response to that as a son is, it's pressure. 
and your mm. response isn't logical it's emotional it's emotional response it's, absolutely it's, 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 and that's where decisions can get made from an emotional response to logic and this is where the two conflict i don't know if i'm making sense but for me i see it so much i kind of go oh there's a logical argument creating a, an emotional reaction and this couple are buying into the logical argument from the parents and they're getting married for the wrong reasons whereas you're telling me actually a lot of millennials take the logical argument and kick back against it and emotionally push against it and actually almost like i'm going to prove them wrong exactly and that's the that's the emotional response and i think we I, I have dived into the culture so what i won't i won't answer that but i'll leave the listeners with you know when we talk about logic and emotion so imagine the parent here in the scenario that Ro just explained he or she or the mum or dad or, or whatever's got a timeline in front of them or a flow chart and the flow chart says step one baby's born step two they go to school step three they get a degree and the next box is you know, the moment they meet somebody, they get married. So that's their flowchart. So when they're at that flowchart and they're, they're telling their son or daughter, right, you're at flowchart step number four or five, it's time to get married. And the emotional response, you know, open a clean piece of paper, they don't have an, a, a flowchart. They, they're not living their life by flowchart, especially us millennials. Rarely do we live our life by flowchart now. It's, it, we live in this completely diverse world. So the response is, hell no, I'm not getting married when you tell me to get married. I'll get married to who I want, when I want. And that's the response that we've got. So I think we've nailed it, the logic and emotion of why people typically get married. All the signs to look out for in order to understand that are you making the, ma the decision of marriage for the right reasons? Yeah, and I think you've just nailed it, actually. What when I wrote Turning Point, I think the first page of the Turning Point book, I wrote down the whole concept of awareness. And awareness is the first step to change in any transformation, any turning point in your life. So what we're doing here is making you aware, and you may be aware of them already, but we're kind of magnifying them, of the different pressures, stroke reasons, stroke decision processes that people go through in getting to that point where we say, right, yes, I'm ready to get married. And I think from my perspective, I'm saying, well, let's look at it a different way. Let's look at it as a way that maybe is forcing you to make that decision as opposed to you naturally making the decision, which I want to get to actually as we go through this. But so this is about observation at this stage. Get the mirror out and start to ask yourself some questions around this. Is this logical pressure on me at the moment? Is it an emotional pressure? Is it emotional pressure I'm putting on myself? Or is it an emotional pressure I'm developing as a result of a logical argument I'm being put upon me, i.e. financial reasons, legal contract, etc. I think having done that, Harminder, I'm just going to throw this question at you and hopefully you can just respond to it in a natural way without having to sort of pause and think it through too much and that is mm. so i've watched you i met you when you were engaged correct correct right so i didn't meet you prior to that and i've been privileged to be there and be part of your journey and be invited to your wedding but talk me through the experience for you as a millennial i mean i don't know if you can differentiate between that and as a young asian couple as well but what was your experience looking at logic and looking at emotion and, and if you don't mind being open with our audience here rewind me to before i met you to the point where you finally got to the point because once you've made the engagement that's kind of your commitment to that Correct. question am Correct. i ready to get married so i've never really asked you the question so it's quite nice that we had this conversation whilst we're in front of an audience of several thousand people or more so i think from my scenario i was and I still, you know, pinch myself. I think I got very, very lucky. It's it's very hard to put words around the scenario. So I, I met G three slash four years ago before we got engaged. And we, you know, we just clicked straight away. Now, I think this, this question is almost best answered by going through. And we almost did this without realizing what we're doing. 
So, for example, there's exercises and examples that we're going to give people later in this podcast. We're actually in the next stage here. And we have we had naturally gone through those elements. And those were, for example, visioning our future, having have an open conversation and saying, what does our future look like? You know, do we want children? Where do we want to live? Those questions. What do we value in life? But we, we at this stage, because we hadn't gone down a path of real self-awareness and personal development and understanding the logical part of what I'm describing to you, it just, the reason I say I got lucky is because it all sort of clicked into place in the sense that we had gone through some of the exercises we're going to talk about in a moment just by luck. That's me being, me being open. I didn't know what we was doing, but what we were doing was having an open communication. Everything we did, we clicked and that click came from our values and beliefs were aligned automatically. We hadn't, you know, processed that at the time. And we were also operating as a relationship where it was constantly felt like we were secure, but also there was enough variety in the relationship to keep the spark alive to then say, actually, this has been amazing three years. Now let's think about marriage. Now, are we ready to get married? And we had that open conversation with each other. And the answer for both of us was yes. So for those listening at home, this will make sense as we go into the next stage of the podcast, what I'm saying here. So what I'm saying to you, Ro, is I guess everything that we went through, it wasn't a conscious process. I got lucky because I just did it. And then when I met you and went through some of your trainings and and became friends with you, it was like, oh my God, that's why that happened. We just did that exercise by chance. And then of of course, we've evolved the exercises since then. But that's where it happens. So I'm hoping we can leave the listeners with the elements where once they understand these, they now have the factors in place to help them determine if they're ready. I got lucky and I, and I, always, I say I get lucky because my social circle, only a few of us got married. Few of us are still single. In the workplace, I've seen divorces. I've seen relationships start and, and break down. I've seen people stay single for a long time. So I've seen so many different scenarios so I do class myself as lucky because all of the things we're going to speak about yeah. clicked automatically. But now if we can give our listeners this as tools, they don't have to get lucky. They can put luck in their own favor by taking a bit of control of their relationship. Yeah. Okay. So that was the logical side of things. And I know me and Ro have covered the logic side. Now, the other side to this equation is the emotional part. And, and often if you listen to this at home, this is not an easy place for me to go to or for men to go to in general, if that's me being <laughs> openly honest, Ro. So let me clarify. So I'm just going back as we're talking through this. So you're describing to me, because I asked the question, what was it like for you? Because I didn't, I obviously I didn't meet you through this experience. And mm. it sounds like you were very aligned, almost a logical way. So you're, you're pressing the button on the emotional now. And I don't hear you do this very often. So I'm interested to see, you know, keep sharing, of man. You're course. in front of thousands of people here. Thousands yeah. of people. Yeah. Yeah. Everything's on the block. <laughs> So I use the word lucky, but that's me saying I was lucky for my context. But the reason I was really lucky is I met the most amazing woman who she just was open, flexible, but allowed us to evolve together. So mm. we challenged each other. She could take the challenge. She could challenge me back. And it was never a case of he's right, she's right. It was just pure flexibility and and for those listening at home you can almost sense i do sometimes come from a logical place where but where i come from a place of logic there's always a challenge to come from a heart space and why i got so lucky is gina as a beautiful woman as my partner life partner she's able to draw that the love 
from me, bring it to the surface. And I think for that, I'm massively lucky because for those who've met her, she is pure hearted. Everything she does and all the intention she has only comes from a place of from love. So when we would have conversations and I'd be getting all logical about it. I'll be saying, yeah, but we need this much money. We need this many things, et cetera, et cetera. We need to live here. She would say, yeah, but what does that feel like? How would that feel like for our future family? How would that feel like for us? If I had a bad day at work, the question wouldn't be around the logical conversation. It would be a hug. It would be an embrace. Mm. And when you can be warmed like that with your partner, that's that's where I got really lucky to be mm. matched with somebody who's pure hearted. So well, when I'm faced with that, all the logic just goes out of the window. So if you ask, was to ask me back then, why did you get engaged? It would be that. That, that would be the reason. Lovely. I mean, you know, the, the nice thing is to you can hear the difference in your voice, even as you're describing that. I and feel so, it as well. I yeah, feel, I, feel, I don't go. I don't go there often. No, but and the even the sensations have changed on my body. It's phenomenal. Yeah, and and that's so difficult. I mean, you know, you've seen me with my kids. I mean, I, I did an event a few years ago where I brought my, um, Stina, my partner, brought the kids in, and and she's she connects very well with Gina, for example, your your wife, and and the two of them connected because they're in that space. They're both very open and very feminine in their flow, and they just connect in that way. And that that femininity for me was really massive. It played out in a big way because we, you know, when when we met, for example, it was we were in two different parts, two different eras of our life. But mm. aged is irrelevant when there's something deeper, when there's a deeper connection. And we're blessed. I mean, I think as men, we're blessed to have somebody around us that has that beauty because it is the beauty. It's not the logic at all. And that brings out the best in us. And I think we're very privileged, both of us, to be in that situation. And interesting enough, you know, listening to you, you describe an area of what I classify as these four levels of relationships. So I'm going to swing it a bit more logical for anyone listening. You're thinking, well, how do I know, you know, what sort of, what type of relationship I'm in? Naturally, human beings want to categorize things. So if I said to everybody listening, and this is written in detail in the book when I wrote the Turning Point, I actually did a chapter on this, but let me just give you kind of headlines on this. So before we start there, Ro, let me just frame this section that we're going into now. If you're working your way through this podcast, remember we're asking the question, am I ready to get married or am I ready to be committing to a long-term relationship? So this is now where we talk about the factors to help determine if you are ready. These are the factors that I say I got lucky with because because Gina was so open and we both just flowed through this process thanks to her. But these are the actual logical things that you can actually take hold of. So the first thing is, what are the different levels of relationship? Good. Um, thanks for framing that because I'm just pa- I'm passionate to plow into this <laughs> and really sort of bring the subject to the surface. So it's good that you're setting that up. So they've got maybe a pen and paper to write this down. All right. So level one is basically, for want of a better word, I'm in it for me, if you want to write that down. So you're trading in a relationship. It's often two people meet. There's a bit of a connection initially or there's a really strong, powerful connection. Sometimes it's driven by a sexual connection and maybe one person's come from a hurt place bad relationship abusive relationship that can happen by the way or just not been in a great place for a while meet somebody else who is completely the opposite you know if if your ex-partner was really rough rude almost verbally abusive and uh, conceited and ego and self-driven and you get out of that relationship 
I typically, when I'm coaching couples, meet people that go into a relationship with somebody exactly the opposite. So they look for somebody who can feed them lots of connection, lots of love, lots of gentleness and lots of kindness. And they go in and they just basically bounce off each other. And it's often a short-term relationship because it's fulfilling an immediate need. It's not a long-term relationship with a long-term view. It's like, I need this now and I'm going to get this from this person. Often it's physical, it's sexual, can be financial, it can be emotional dependency as well. It's not a dependency relationship as such because that's a level two, but it's kind of a, a trading. I just want to get in, be in it for a while and get out. And those kind of people often are in relationships for a short period. And when you meet them after three or four or five years or you know you haven't seen them for a while or you just know them for years, that will be the person that you know that's been in and out of relationships and never settled into anything more than two, three, four, five, six, seven months. And that's it. Boom, they're gone. Does that make sense? And are you familiar or have seen that before in other people, Harms? Yeah, so I have seen it in other people. And it's often, you know, for example, training can be, for example, in a sexual nature as well. So that's telltale signs. You know, I'm just dating for the sex. Okay, sex is now boring. Let's move on to the next partner. And I think that's an example of a trading relationship. Now, okay, this is where it gets interesting because if the couple that are together stay longer than that period and it happens to be that one of them is more financially stronger than the other one, it can actually move into a dependency relationship. Now, it could be that people meet and they don't have a, a level one relationship. They move straight into a level two relationship, i.e. they meet, there's a connection, and one is more financially stronger than the other one or one is more emotionally stronger than the other one because of they, they haven't had such experiences in the past, negative experiences. And so one tends to lean on the other. Now, this is your traditional type of relationship way back in the day where, you know, man would go out and work, woman would be at home and, and uh, be the homemaker. I mean, that's your tr very traditional 50s, 60s type relationship, even 70s. Yeah. And that's changed a lot in the last 20, 25 years. But back in those days, that will often be how it would be. So financial dependency relationships can start off as a couple that really connect together. However, if that connection isn't massively strong and they have done all the things we've been talking about is asking the question, you know, am I ready to get married? But they just kind of automatically do it because it's it's comfortable. And he says, I'll do this. And she says, I'll do that. And they kind of fit into this rut. Often one is financially dependent on the other. Now, I don't want to stereotype here and, and you've got to correct me if I'm wrong. But coming from an Asian background myself, I would say that that's been quite a big part of Asian culture. Would you agree? Where typically the male has been the financial driver and the female, the mother, has been the person that's looked after the family, cared for the family, stayed at home. That can lead to a financial dependency style of relationship. Correct. And, and I think that does uh, feature in our culture, Asian culture, sorry. And I think you're spot on when you said it's it's certainly the old school style. So, you know, for those who've watched the series Mad Men, you know, the main character in that, he that's an example of a financial dependency relationship where he was the executive of the marketing department and his wife would be at home and she was taking care of the house. And that's the stereotypical world that was then and it's just still remain in certainly certain cultures certain societies and i think it is still still there but i think what's changed slightly is where finances have become more important you'll see the partner starting to work because the, the family has no choice so i think that's where that's t that's shifting slightly yeah and actually on that note that you know there's definitely a shift in finance so they still exist i see them a lot but now it's a different shift. You know, the woman's gone out and she's entrepreneurial and she's very smart as a, which, you know, this is the funny thing, right? Two couples, 
same level of aptitude, same level of academic qualification, same level of, of just go-getter nature. But traditionally, it would have been the man that went out and did that. Whereas now society's changed and it's saying, well, you know, either of you can do it. I see now a lot of women going out and doing amazing things in business and in their careers. Yep. And that financial dependency relationship still exists, except it's the other way around now. So he's back at home, for example, and she's out. But you can get it in same-sex relationships where one is more dominant financially than the other one. What I'm saying is it's a shift away from the first type of relationship, which is just trading one for the other, sex, etc., short-term. This is now a longer-term relationship, and it's become financially dependent. But it's not necessarily a wow, we're connected, we're unconditionally in love, we're spiritually evolving we're emotionally evolving it's kind of got into a rut and it's financial dependency now it can move up to another level which is called a balanced couple and or it could be starting as a balanced couple so for example you and gina one could argue could easily have fallen into this after a period of time and that is in other words because you both come into the table as educated people and you're both of the same age group you get together, you get married. Actually, you know, you could both equally be earning the same amount or she could be earning more than you. But the balance being that you both provide for the home. So a balanced couple is you get together, you stay together, you both contribute to the house. You kind of bring different things to the table and you care about each other. You're in love with each other. And after a while, you're in love with each other. You stay together, you go to work, you come home, you go and have a holiday two, three, four weeks a year. Five years later, you stay together. You come home from work, you put your slippers on, you sit down, you have your dinner, you sit over dinner, you talk. Maybe you've got kids, maybe you haven't. Seven years later. And somewhere along the line, what I see is the shine go out of the relationship. There isn't that spark. There isn't that wow that used to be there there's no involvement of the couple there's no emotional development and you can actually see this in harms i don't know if you've seen this or not in people around you but i've seen this at the age i'm at it can regress back because if the couple aren't connected they've not evolved they've not understood their values their needs and they're not really exploding together and growing to another level what happens is if they get annoyed with each other, they can regress back to a point where they start arguing or trading. I'll do this for you if you do this for you. I do this if you do this for me. You do this, I'll do this. Fights start to form and actually it can move back towards a level one or a level two. And if, by the way, in a balanced couple, a husband or a wife loses a job, wow, we're definitely shifting back to a level two relationship which puts more stress which can then bring it back to a level one where one gets so pissed off they start that one i'm only going to do this if you do that yeah but you know you're never around yeah but i'm making the money you're at home because you know you're not making the money you lost your job and fuck, we've now regressed back to a level one now I, I don't want to sound negative because that's not the purpose of this, but I'm just observing what I've seen, how I've coached people and how it can happen right under our noses without us even being aware of it. Now, I don't know if this is making any sense, but I'm just trying to give it a category so that people can start to get a sense of, oh, shit, well, we're here at the moment or great, we're here at the moment, but be aware of it. That's what I'm trying to say. And I'll tell you what, well, I love level three because i think that's typically where most relationships sit in especially of my generation so if i'm looking at millennials because they are around 30 years old we're new into relationships or we've been into a relationship a balanced couple relationship for now two three years people are sitting there so what i love about this is now listeners at home have an awareness of this is where we are and okay i understand where we are but we don't want to get to where Dr. Rose said, which is where the shine, you know, it gets a bit dull, you know, the relationship gets a bit beige, you know, magnolia walls. We don't want to get there. So I think the awareness for my generation there is fantastic. So I think I'd leave it with that with a balanced Yeah, couple. nice. Okay, so, well, in that case, let's take it to level four. Now, level four is 
an unconditional relationship. It means that you are emotionally developing together. You're growing. And this is what you described about you and Gina. So you emotionally develop together. When Stina and I met, we went through a massive period of just going on personal development courses together. We read books together. She reads different books to me so and still does. And, and because she is an emotionally developed person and in that sense an emotionally developed woman and also just very feminine by nature, she challenges me and tests me and, and asks me questions and keeps me in that space of wanting to evolve in areas that maybe I'm not so interested in because I've got my own place I want to evolve into. But there's not a sense of trading when you're at that level of a level four. Now, it is nirvana because you're moving to a place where you both come to the table and you do something in the relationship, but not expecting anything back. It's unconditional. And you might say, fucking hell, how can you exist at that level? I actually think it's very hard for anyone to exist at that level. I do not exist at that level all the time. It's a constant growth process because when you've got kids for example the children are pulling on your emotional time like a classic example this morning she was in the kitchen doing something for the kids preparing some food i went out to the car it's an electric we've got two electric cars i went to pull the lead out of the electric car but she'd asked me to go and she said could you go and lie back down with Liv and keep her calm because our eldest daughter had got up so this is an interesting one, right? Her eldest daughter had gone up. She's going to school. Youngest is not going to school at the moment. She's having Fridays off. She's not going to kindy. So we normally one of us stays and kind of keeps her, the heat, the warmth. She sleeps on. But I go out to unplug the car to get the car ready. And for some reason, the electric unit wouldn't uncharge. Now, I just it was a sequence I hadn't done right. And I'm standing, I'm there for nearly five minutes. I walk back in the room and she's like, honey, I thought you were going to, Liv's got up. I thought you were going to go back and get back. Uh -oh. Yeah. Now, what have I done? As I said, yeah, I'll go. This is where the trust thing comes in, right? Yeah, honey, I'll go. go. So Liv gets up. She's now doing a jigsaw piece. And she said to me, but I thought you were going to do that. I said, yeah, but I'm out doing the car, trying to sort out the car. Now, she didn't know I'm out there. Now, that is a conversation that moves down into kind of balanced couple conversation where you're not trading, but you're kind of in that sort of – it's like roommates, if you like. That's what mm. Balanced couple can get to a place where you're roommates and you just exchange, but – you're not necessarily talking in an unconditional way. There's something creeping back in again. And that is bound to happen with every single couple. So what I'm trying to say to everybody is you're striving to have as much part of your relationship at a level four. But the world and day-to-day -day activities will always move you in and out of a four and a three. What you don't want to do is slip to a two and a one. That's the danger zone. And I'm going to kind of stop it there because that is where also people are Afraid of getting married because they've watched their parents have that experience. Maybe people are listening to this right now and saying, yeah, I'm ready to get married or I'm ready to stay in a relationship for long term. But I'm nervous, doctor. I'm, I'm, I'm nervous, harmed because I've seen my parents do that. You're probably thinking you've seen a one and a two type relationship. Whereas what we're saying is if you can get to a three and a four and, and ideally stay in four more than three, you can have an amazing relationship. I'm going to pause there because we could get right into this. And when I do my relationship really events, I mean, I run relationship events where we literally drill down into this and we spend three days and absolutely pick this apart. It's incredible to see. Single people attend, couples attend. We work on values, relationships, the levels of the relationship, their beliefs, their connection. It's great. But this is just a flavor of what you need to be thinking about. Phenomenal. I love that. And, and I love the part where you said, because I was thinking about last night, you know, evolving together as a couple. And this is where I say my beautiful wife is amazing, where we're, we're talking about a topic we're researching at the moment and she's going through the books and she's like, OK, have you checked this out? So I'm asking her some questions and she's saying, OK, but look at this resource. And I think that's where you just evolve as a couple. And it's very hard, you know, like if we were to say, OK, we're going to go be with somebody else now or whatever in the future. It's it's very hard because we are, have evolved together. 
there's nobody who's gone on that journey together as we've gone to the personal development relationships as well. Yeah. So for those listening who are looking for tips and, and saying, how do we evolve together? What do you mean by that harms and row? Well, it's personal development together. It's exploring new topics together. It's exploring new adventures together, things to do, things that stimulate you mentally as well as emotionally. So I Actually, think that's a nice place on, for. Yeah. Well, on that note, let me just jump in and just talk about if anybody's listening to this going, I, I just I don't really know where to start. There's very few people out there tackling this subject. And for that reason, I actually created a, a video series. Now, if you I know you listen to us on the Growth Tribes here, if you go to the Growth Tribe, www.growthtribe.com and just get yourself registered onto the tribe itself take up the trial that we have like a one month trial for a low cost go into the vault and you're looking for the relationship series now in the relationship series i literally break this down in a lot more detail and it's a chance for you to press pause i think from memory there's even footage on there of me live on stage for example which is great because you get a chance to hear me talk about it there but it's a chance for you to objectively and emotionally follow a process and I think it's really worth doing. And if you've got a partnership and you're in a partnership, I think work through it together. I think that'd be great. Uh, I know it's a bit of a plug for the Grow Tribes, but it's, for a lot of people, they don't know where to start harming doing. And I think this is a great place to go. It's a really safe place to learn. Essential. And it's so low cost. What I'll do, I'll put that link into the show notes. Okay, and cool. it's even that series link. So if you just want to watch that series on the relationships and that's where your sole focus is, absolutely go ahead. So I'll put that link into Brilliant. the show notes so that that's amazing bro. so what you've described for us is the four levels of relationships and it allows listeners at home to say i'm currently in level one two three or four wherever you are yeah and this will help you determine if you're ready to you know make that commitment for a life partner if you're ready to get married so well what's another way we can explore this well i think the other one and this is really important and we haven't got time to go into detail here on this podcast and that is to go and look at values and beliefs. And for most people, when they meet, you might go, well, they're aligned. Well, they're always aligned when you first meet somebody and you're kind of, especially if you're sexually attracted to somebody, if you're physically drawn to somebody, sexually drawn to somebody, values and beliefs kind of go out the window. Because <laughs> the only belief is, wow, man, he's hot or she's hot. And the only thing you value is as much connection with that person as you can get. And that's it. Boom. You're into bed. You're, you know, you're kissing and touching and all these lovely things that come with a really immediate, intimate wow, straight contact. But that's not a measure of your true core values and beliefs. And it can take months, if not years, for true core values and beliefs to emerge. And you might argue, surely not. Well, it actually does, because under different circumstances, under different levels of pressure, a person's true core values and beliefs emerge. Now, that said, if you can start to go through a process with somebody and identify those beliefs and values early, you'd be amazed how quickly a relationship can be identified as a good relationship or not. So I'm not suggesting that you immediately stop whatever you're doing in the relationship and go, right, we've got to do this now. And if it's not right, we're going to part company because that might not be appropriate. <laughs> either. And we, have, we have actually seen people do that. I had somebody come to one of my turning points years ago and she brought her partner, her boyfriend at the time. She'd only known him for about two weeks. And this is their first official any length of time away together. And they came to a three day training oh, wow. on, on personal development and relationships. So I think it's go and read the turning point book. There's a really good two chapters there on values and beliefs. What do you value in your life? What do you believe about yourself? What do you believe about the world? What do you believe about relationships? And get an understanding of your own beliefs before you start trying to interrogate or understand somebody else's because that doesn't work. If you start trying to pull beliefs from somebody else without knowing what yours are, you've got nothing to frame reference against. 
Same thing for business as well. So if you're feeling a conflict right now about getting married or staying in this relationship for the long term, meaning that you're listening to this and you've actually been with them for a year, year and a half, and you're having doubts, most of that will come down to your unconsciously aware that maybe the beliefs aren't quite aligned or your values aren't quite aligned and my experience has been of the two and i'm just saying that I mean, you can counter this if you want harmon or to give me your observations but of the two it's not so much about your beliefs because your beliefs really about how you operate in the world in terms of what you think is you can do what you can do as a couple what you're capable of doing and what you can achieve that's one thing but your your values are how you show up. Do you value integrity? Do you value health? Do you value connection? Do you value excitement? Do you value growth? Now, that's very different. And if you don't have those values, or let's say you do, and the other person doesn't, but there's still a strong sexual attraction, once that strong sexual attraction has eased off and, and the way you connect is different and deeper beyond just the physical then the values play out massively. Now, this is deep harms, and tell me if I'm going too deep, but I'm trying to make a point here that there is a difference, but both have to be aligned. Both have to be aligned. I think that's a phenomenal exercise, and it's all, it's way too challenging for us to actually work through the exercise <laughs> well, you did uh, on the podcast. At an event, what, how long did it take us? Nearly a day to do values, I think it was. Yeah, it, an abs- it was a day just on this thing that we've spoken about. So I think take this as an understanding of starting to become aware. And like like all the episodes on the Growth Tribes podcast, it's not an instant pill. It's, a, it's, it's an awareness. It's, it's an awareness to say, okay, the other thing to consider as well as the four levels of relationship is our values and beliefs. And do they do they align? Are some intertwined? Do some connect? Or are our values and beliefs completely the opposite from each other? And the sooner you can be aware of that the sooner you can make the decision are we ready to get married so i think that that is in the so in the video series i mentioned just that there is a section on that and it's more than me just describing it here so i think it's worth for those of you that are going to go and do it or if if you're a listener and you're already in the growth tribes you you may have been into the vault and just not done the relationship series yet go do it great opportunity it's a really powerful and you know some very honest shares from me in there as well well so you asked me previously give the listeners the emotional side to what what was your experience before yes. I met you? Okay, so you've spoken about values and beliefs, and that thing feels very logical. And if I was a listener at home and first time I'm listening to Harms and Roe, I've been following along, it's, well, well what, what about love? Uh, are you saying that's less important? <laughs> very it, good question. What, yeah. what about that? Because I get you're saying values and beliefs, but I love the person. Right, you know, so I, I think this is a very important question because we cannot confuse values, belief, and love they are all very very different so the premise here is and let's put that as an underline on this the premise here is that you're together and you're maybe listening to this at this moment in time and you've been together for 6 12 18 months or you might be just in a fresh relationship and you're thinking is there a way i can fast forward this row do you remember the very last turning point i did was about two three years ago now there was a couple on the sunday and they basically were living in different places they were married had two kids i seem to remember and she literally could not even look at him do you remember that and i brought them to yeah. the stage yeah. sunday yeah. now the starting point to that was before i brought her to the stage because i brought him up to the stage first to challenge him on something and then it blew up that they're in a relationship challenge i asked him the question do you love her because if he'd said to me yeah or well i used to love her well or it's kind of different uh if he'd had any of those answers, I would not have even considered bringing her up because that ended up being about a two-hour intervention. But the minute he said to me, I, I totally love her, because he said it with that level of commitment, 
I then, if you remember, turned around and said, uh, you know, is your wife in the room? And then she sort of stuck her hands up. She looked very nervous and very reluctant. And we brought her to the stage. That transformation, that intervention was amazing. But it couldn't happen without the basic fundamental premise that, yes, we do love each other. So someone can be at a level three relationship. They could even possibly be at a level two relationship and feel that they're in love. I probably have to dig a bit deeper there just to make sure that they actually that's what they're feeling rather Mm. than the feeling of dependency. But if the couple fundamentally i'm glad you've asked this question passionately love each other or maybe the passion has gone but they still love each other it's like yeah we do love each other it's just there's so much happened in the last two or three years or life has changed so much or that we've had so much pressure on us or since he lost his job since she lost her job or since the kids come along things have changed for us it's just like we're, we're not in alignment anymore but yes we do love each other Okay, great. Now we've got to have a look at the values. Now we've got to look at the beliefs because even there, some of the sentences being said there are based on beliefs, not even values, by the way, beliefs. So absolutely, we cannot go and start doing a values exercise and a beliefs exercise if there's not at least a fundamental connection at a heart level. Does this make sense? Makes total sense. So for the critic, and I say critic, but for somebody saying, yeah, but well, I, I love the person. Well, that's beautiful because that's the foundation. That's that's the first question we'd ask. So it's fundamental. And then the values and beliefs come after that. And I love that. Word. And I remember that scenario. And it's a beautiful couple as well. Yeah, it was, it was, it was quite a powerful intervention, but it needed that, that basic understanding. That's another question that I didn't ask this couple I mentioned at the weekend on the property weekend. But had they kept pushing me, I would have then asked that question. <laughs> <laughs> For those who come hang out with us and, and they and they come to the Growth Tribes meetup, <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is the sort of stuff that happens, you know, when yes. we actually physically meet up. And I think last time we had a, a group of 50, 60 people and, and there's live coaching experiences. So people yeah, have got a challenge, you know, when the couple's got a challenge, then it's a safe environment. That's the sort of the cool stuff and the learnings and the evolution that goes on with that group of people. And it's, it's a phenomenal thing. So Ro, the next question I wanted to ask is, and I did this by chance because my beautiful wife was always open to new ideas and trying new things and one of the conversations we had which later in your event did as an exercise is look we are in a two three year relationship but we want to spend the rest of our life together is there something we can do in order to just feel and experience what may happen in the future and what i'm hinting here is almost a visual walkthrough of the future and that can be conversational that can be almost hypnosis trance but essentially what does the future look like for us as a couple and i'm thinking the questions we asked ourselves is and visualized is do we want children and if, if, if you're asking that question and you're saying yeah yeah that's the question i'm asking just listen to am i ready to be a parent podcast a couple of episodes ago that answers that question you know where do we want to live do we want to retire early uh, what sort of aspirations do we have what kind of experiences do we want to have how many times do we want to go on a holiday all of these, do you want to live close to your parents, away from your parents? All of these questions we have to play out in our mind. And we sort of asked ourselves these questions, but it really became an experience at your event where you took us on a journey. Now, can you just quickly talk into that space for the listeners who may not even understand what visualization is? I think the key, you know, a lot of people actually do it without realizing it. What do you think about kids, honey? And But it's not done in a framed way in a, in a more and I, I hate to use the word structured but it's not done in a way to broach the subject which often one often the bloke will glance over so what you're describing there things like do you want to have kids where do you want to live 
do you want to retire early? All these things. These are brilliant questions. And actually, they're questions. Are these going to go into the show notes? Because I think it'd be worth popping those questions in. I can the, do, yeah. The, these are questions that you really do need to consider. So the point is, you can bring the future into the present by simply describing and exploring and getting passionate about and even writing down and looking at photographs and honey, this is what I want us to leave or this one us to do. And look at this couple over here. We want to do what they're doing. So it's about generating a really passionate conversation rather than a logical one, with that person you're with to get a sense of whether they're aligned with that future. Because if you're describing it and they're on their phone, if, they, if you're describing it and they're half watching the TV, or if, if, if you're describing it and they're kind of nodding but not interacting, what that tells you and I is they're just agreeing with you, but they're not really involved with it. You want them to be involved with that description of the future. Let's really describe how we want it to be. And if you get any tweaks that don't feel right, this is where you're checking back in with the values. So it's a very, very powerful process. And if you don't do it, I think you will find yourself disappointed because when you get to a point in the future and you go, but this isn't how I wanted it to be, they're going to go, well, how did you want it to be? And you go, well, I want it to be like this. And they say, well, but you didn't tell me that. I didn't. I thought you wanted this. So whenever we complain about something that isn't quite the way we want it to be, it's because we haven't at some point defined what that is. We've just put it in our minds. So we're taking it from our heads and our hearts and we capture it on paper. And then you both look at it and say, yes. And it gives you that's like setting your compass. Now we're ready to go. Every time you take a step forward, a day forward, a week forward, a month forward, a year forward, five years forward in the relationship, the compass is set and it's pointing so you can always check back into where your north is. So that's really what it is. It's about setting north on the relationship but making sure that both persons north is pointing in the same direction <laughs> and i urge you listening at home if you if your partner when you are having this conversation with them and they are looking at their phone and they're distracted i think one of the ways to approach it is when ro does put on a large event where he guides people through exercises like this is both of you come as a couple come as a couple because then it's a supported environment it's an exercise it's a like without using the word structure a process that Ro can guide you through and it's a safe distraction free free environment where you've got no choice because Ro is not going to allow you not to do it and so I think that's I urge you if you if you want to really expand yeah. and grow the relationship and and both be on the same level and have that north both of you have the same path and the same road towards north which starts from that conversation and that description come to you know whenever Ro's putting out an event come by come on board and I think that leads us well nicely to the final one. I don't want to dive too much into this because if you listen to the previous podcast, the power of that podcast answers this question, which is the ability really to have not only an open conversation with your partner, but also an impactful one, a mm. effective one, a passionate one, a one where it's just honest and truthful and would you agree with that, Rob? I think you've said it all, Armand. I don't think. I mean, I think the way we're talking today, and the, there's very much an openness between you and I here, that has to come into the relationship. And if it's listen, if it's closed down, for what you might say, yeah, but you understand, Doctor O. We used to be like that, but he's not like that anymore, or she's not like that anymore. Back up a minute. Remember, every human being starts to develop and carry baggage over time if it's not released, if it's not let go, if it's not dropped, if it's not worked on, if it's not emotionally developed. So, for all you know. There might be a fear building up in your partner. There might be concerns. There might be a personal block that's going on. And the easiest way to deal with that or to handle the stress is they just shut down their external communication so that they can internally try and resolve things. So it might not be that they don't want to communicate with you. It might be just that they're 
they've got stuff going on themselves. So I think you've got to clear the decks, create an environment to have that conversation, but make sure it's done from a place of the heart rather than from the head. Because the minute you go, we have to do this, it's logical, you know, if we're going to plan the future and blah, 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 honey, we've got to sit down and do this logically. I'll get a pen out, we'll bullet point everything, and we'll write this up as a, a type sheet. We'll, we'll, we'll type it all up, we'll put it on the wall, and we'll have it with bullet points, and I'll have a, a dates and everything against that then starts to feel a bit scary for somebody. Where if I, you know, if I was Gina, I said to you, "Come on, Harms, let's sit down together. I really want to explore some of the things we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks. I'll get the pen out. You just chat. And, Come on, let's capture it on paper. I, I'm so excited. That's a very different experience. Any close communication at this stage is usually a sign that somebody is either in pain or they don't want to take that step forward into the future and you've got to find out if it's a personal block let's resolve it if it's just simply because they're not visionary they don't have the same values as you they don't even have a belief that it's a good idea to get a vision in, in place if that's a, a fundamental belief you're kind of screwed to start with I'm not trying to be disrespectful to your partner but if their belief is we don't need to do that why do we need to sit down and describe the future why didn't why do we need to get a vision board why do we need to write it down that's bullshit we'll just fumble along and we'll get there eventually you got problems. That relationship's going nowhere. I'm just being brutally honest. I'm going to stop there before I get into a yeah. rant. <laughs> and I think just to just to finalize that row before we give them some action steps. I think when you do master the art of communication, because you know if you're somebody listening to this at home and you're thinking, "Oh my God, Row Harms, you you ask some fantastic questions." It's all come from a foundation of, I guess, mastering the art of communication, which allows us to ask these searching questions, yes. ask our partner the tough questions, the questions that may not be so pleasant, questions which may prompt you and your partner to think of things that you may not have considered. So when Rose says, almost strangers who've only met him for a couple of days come and speak to him and say, should I do this? They almost naturally gravitate towards you, Roe, because you can ask them these questions because the people in their world who haven't effectively mastered communications, they can't communicate with impact, they just can't ask these questions to them. You know, they, they may be sympathizing. Oh, you know what, it's, it's always like that. You know, marriage is always like that. Don't worry, get used to it. Uh, marriage it gets dull after a couple of years. If that's the communication they're having with you, then you just, you're not effective in your communication. You're not around the right people for it to be powerful, which is probably why they come running up to you and say, what the hell do we do? Should we get married? And and why I probably got the questions on Instagram, are, am I ready to get married? Well, well, interesting enough, you and Gina very quickly approached me, if you remember, on that first weekend we met. Uh, and it was that level of openness as well. And that's going back a long time now. Mm. I, I mean, just uh, again, I'm, I, I know I'm probably uh, promoting a bit in this particular recording, but that's because this is such a sensitive subject. And it's probably the one that comes up most when I'm doing an event is relationships and that communication is so so I run events as you know Harmony we do something called communicating with impact and on that weekend one of the things I teach people to do apart from going through the different components of the communication system is how to develop very quick rapport which gives people a chance to come to you and talk to you but also how to go through the process as a couple of opening up and starting to get a, a, a greater connection with each other so you know these process of mind reading and, and understanding when and how to get that level of presence and connection so if they want to find out how to come to one of the communication workshops you know the events that we run what's the best place for them to do that because you usually know how to direct people harm <laughs> yeah, so, where do we send them so what i'd say is the best thing to do is head to growthtribes.com and leave your email address there you'll see on the home page there's a box 
and it allows you to create a, basically a completely free membership. And what it does, it keeps you in the loop of when there's an event, there's a new book, the latest podcast is released. Ro's done a, because Ro, you do fantastic videos on property and wealth education. Yeah. If you want to see when those are released on a weekly basis, it just drops straight into your inbox. So I think the best way is to leave your email address there, you know, and that just makes sure you get the announcement first. And that's the best way, Ro. Brilliant. Okay. That's lovely. So yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Communication 100%. Okay, Ro. So I'm conscious now that I don't want to overwhelm the listeners. The original question was, am I ready to get married? Which evolved into, am I ready to become a partner to somebody for life? Am I ready to commit? All of those questions. And then we've taken them through many different sequences and we've given them some real great, almost, again, the word structure comes to me naturally, but uh, yeah, yeah. exercises, structure. We both shared our different life scenarios, how we are in a relationship and how we made those decisions. But I think the next thing is I will plug a lot of these onto the show notes. So there's some quick reference guides for people. But yeah. I, I say without overwhelming the listeners, because there's so much here, is what would be your next actions and suggestions? Because we've been going on quite a while. And I know we can continue to talk about this topic for a long time. Yeah, okay. So it is a big subject. Let me just give, uh, I mean, I'll usually try and wrap up with three or four things. If you're listening to it right now, First of all, as we talked about, go and have a look at the website and, and pick up some of the tools from there. So four steps. If you're currently in a relationship right now and you're at that point where you, you are making that decision or you've been, it's on your mind and maybe you've held back talking about it or your partner's been coming to you and saying, come on, honey, let's talk about it. Four things. Number one, without talking to them first, just, just find a journal, get a piece of paper out if you have to or type it up, but I'd rather you write it, is do some honest reflection. Just sit down with a juice or a glass of wine, some nice music, and just reflect internally on what you want looking ahead. How do you want the relationship to evolve? Be clear for you first. That's the first thing. And capture it on paper. Then ask your partner if you can sit with them and describe what you've written down. Say, honey, I was thinking about this last night. It's been on my mind a long time. We've been sort of putting it off or we haven't had the time to sit down. This is so important to me. Do you mind if I just share with you what I wrote down? This is how I, you know, how I would love to see our relationship evolve and, and use words like that. That's second step. Third step is in that process, try and describe the vision of it and talk about the values that are important to you. You know, if you value connection, if you value travel, if you value security, if you value success financially, whatever it is, that vision has to incorporate all those. If it's family, put that there as well. So let them know the vision that you want for yourself, because if they are nowhere near that, then already you've got a misalignment. But if they are, that's brilliant. I mean, you, you know, you're getting closer and closer. And finally, if marriage is the subject that is on your mind, ask them honestly from a future perspective or share with them honestly how important marriage is for you and say to them, you know, obviously what I've described here to you, part of that is us being married, being able to be a married couple, traveling the world together, having kids and just sharing the values in our life and being financially secure, whatever it is. I just want us to do it as Mr. and Mrs. I really want to be your husband, honey, or I really want to be your wife. I just want to be walk down the street proudly knowing that I am committed to in every way this person. How do you feel about that? And, and maybe position it and word it in that way. I don't want to be too coachy on this, but mm. that I think that's a nice way to walk into that conversation, Harms, from what I've experienced over the years with people. I love that because you're almost giving a script because it's such a tough, 
yeah to talk about and even for my generation so i think they'll value that anything else to add Ro? no that's it just four things go away and and go through that fantastic and what i'll do is i'll leave the listeners with one thing which is a bit counterintuitive because i've almost been assuming by the fact that you're listening to this podcast is that you want to work and evolve the relationship and you are almost thinking about am i in a place to get married but you could be listening to this from a different perspective where your partner's been giving you the vibe and sort of hinting about the things that we've spoken about and you just haven't been responsive so hopefully this podcast has opened your eyes to being responsive so i guess what i'm saying is if your partner wants to talk to you about the things that we have discussed in this podcast then simply just show them the love show them the respect just to talk just to have that open conversation so i think that's my action point which is simply just show them the love and respect to have that conversation so that's a great suggestion so that's it for me so what i would say is as always thank you once again for listening to the Growth Tribes podcast. This has been a, an epic one because the subject is so deep. I know we're both passionate about this subject. The show notes will be on growthtribes.com forward slash podcast. And also we're now opening up to take listeners questions. And to do that, just head over to Instagram and search at the Growth Tribes podcast and fire your questions into the direct message box. That is exactly how today's episode was formed. We had a couple of listeners ask us this question and we've scheduled it in and shot it as quickly as we could to get that in-depth response back to them. And like Rose said, number two is if this is something that you and your partner really want to work on, the first place to get started is growthtribes.com and head to the show notes and I will put the link there for the relationships series. So that's it for me, and this is me and Ro signing out. We will see you on the next episode. Hello, it's Dr. Ro here. Harms and I would both like to personally thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of Growth Tribes. And if you've gained just one insight, something positive that you're able to use on a personal level, on a professional level, to help your life maybe even other people's lives, then we'd love it if you could take action on one of the following things. You can either simply subscribe so you don't miss out on any other great insights coming up in the future. You can share this podcast with close friends so they can also get the benefits of the tips and tools that we're sharing. Or it would be amazing if you could give us a review and let others know just how great this episode was. And finally, if you do have a question, don't forget to submit it on growthtribes.com forward slash podcast. Thank you again for listening. This is Dr. Rowan Harm signing out and we'll see you again on the next podcast. Podcast.